Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Oh, goodness. This is going to be a very fun podcast this morning. I've already been asking Tina, who I'm interviewing today, which I love that your name is Tina, by the way, although oh, yeah. you don't spell it right, because I spell mine T-I-N-A and you're T-E-E-N-A, or maybe you spell it right. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, I, 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 think, I, think, I think they're both, they're both correct. So I'll tell you the story of how I came about spelling it T-E-E-N-A. Because it's originally T-I-N-A, but we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, interesting. So talk, oh, this is awesome because this is the B series. It's untold stories of leadership transformation. So you transform the spelling of your name. So I want to hear about that. But I'm going to uh, say your last name, and it's Tina Obuga. And I'm probably saying it right. Oh, I did. That's great. Okay. But you spell it O-G-B-U-G-O-H. So there you go, you guys. So I gave it a try, but I tell you, you just got to do it afraid. Uh, but Tina is an executive director on the John Maxwell team, as well as a certified coach, trainer, and speaker. She's passionate about helping people, inspiring them to reach to new heights in their lives and businesses through changing the mindsets and belief systems, which I know we're going to talk a lot about today. She's privileged to accompany John Maxwell and 250 transformational coaches with different countries at the request of the country's presidents to conduct transformational leadership trainings in Paraguay and Costa Rica. And we got to spend time together in Costa Rica, which was amazing. She is the founder of Joan Lagarde's Consulting Services, a leadership and personal development training and consulting firm in Nigeria. She's a solution based servant leader and consultant who helps individuals and organizations to close the gap between where they are and where they want to be. She does these through HR and management coaching, speaking, and training. Her career spans over 23 years in banking and human resource management sector of corporate Nigeria. She has a master's degree in international human resource management from Kingston Business School, London. She's a member of the Chartered Institute of Personnel Development United Kingdom, a member of the Center for Organizational Leader and Development in Africa, as well as a member of the National Institute of Marketers in Nigeria, NIMN. Tina is a mentor with the Aspire Foundation UK, a body geared towards empowering women across the world in business and leadership. She serves on the President Advisory Committee of the John Maxwell team as the committee lead for youth development and leadership programs. And Tina, by the way, I cannot wait to talk to you about that because I, I want to center a lot of our conversation around that. But first and foremost, Thank you for being on this podcast all the way from Nigeria. We do hope that we're able to maintain our internet connection. I know back and forth, it's, it's not as easy from the United States yeah. to Nigeria, but we will give it a try and lots of prayers for this to happen uh, overseas. So I love you, Tina. Thank you so much. Ah, thank you so much, T. Uh, it's such an honor to be here with you today. Uh, you know, you just my spirit whenever I get to speak with you and uh, I'm so happy to be doing this with you today. 
Uh, I know. It's so crazy because it, as soon as I met you, I was just, first of all, so excited that we had the same name, of course, but same as you, like just your spirit just drew me in and your smile, your beautiful smile. And thank you for saying that. And I know my daughter, she actually uh, became the makeup artist for John Maxwell and all of the other speakers on stage via Paul Martinelli, which was really awesome. And then uh, but since then, she's been having babies, of course, so I'm a grandma now, and so she passed off her yeah. position to one of our team members, but we've been raising money every time we've been going there for different nonprofits, and actually the last nonprofit that we've been raising money for, Tina, has been for Africa. We've been, we partnered with uh, people in uh, South Africa, and it's for Coco's Foundation to build homes. Uh, we, because of COVID crisis, we weren't able to go this year, but we have we have six of our uh, team members from our salons, which are Paul Mitchell graduates, that are ready to go. They've raised their money. They're ready to go. So as soon as COVID lifts, we're going to be down there to build the homes, which I'm really excited for them to experience this, Tina. And uh, so I know that Africa has many, many needs. But I do also know that Africa is becoming what, what people say here in America, a new America, <laughs> a new America, which is awesome. There's been so many great strides. And it's so great to be able to see transformation coming to Africa as well in your areas. And I know we talked to Kate on the podcast last time about this. And let's talk about your dad. And, and I know he passed away in 2000, and, it was 2001, Tina. Talk a little bit about that because I know you went through depression and I was actually coaching someone uh, not too long ago that lost his dad and just really struggled through that. And I think uh, whatever you can uh, teach us today, Tina, of how to uh, get through that a death of a loved one. All right, um, that was a very dark period in my life. I I am the second child of um, eight children, but I was particularly close to my dad in a very special way. I was, uh, you know, whenever I went out with my dad, he would introduce me to his friends as his youngest sister, not as his daughter. <laughs> and we had. Yeah, we had that bond, you know, he was my go-to person. Yes, my mom is there, but I just, I, I connected more with my dad. I could tell my dad anything. Um, growing up, uh, my, my dad, apart from his story, you know, my dad believed in sharing a lot of things with us. And so um, I remember him sharing with us um, the story of um, him and my mom. Um, my mom is an only child and so um when she got into marriage and uh, in the african culture they expect you to have a male child and all of that and when it's not forthcoming the family will kind of resent you my mom passed through that uh, but my father stuck with her and so we assist girls and two boys so I, 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 when my dad told us the story because I remember at some point asking, Dad, why did you have to have so much children? You know, why was so much? It's like, okay, if I didn't have you, if I didn't have your brother, if I didn't have this one, you know, we all have a special place. Uh, now I understand that. Now I really truly appreciate that because I love all my siblings. There's no one I wouldn't have. They all play a very important role in my life. And, um, and coming from that um, culture where the girl child was not appreciated, 
um, they didn't see the reason why he was sending his girl children to school and all of that. But he was so exemplary because um, years later, a lot of those people who were taunting him, who did not see the value in sending their girl children to school, started emulating him, started seeing what the value of training girl children uh, was. Because when my dad passed on in 2001, we were quite young. Uh, I had just started work at the time. My elder sister had just started work. And we did the burial. And that was so, I mean, in my, in my, in my, in my village where I come from, in my place where I come from, till tomorrow they still speak about that, that respect. So that alone helps people to understand the value of girl children. And after my dad passed on, a lot of people started seeing, wow, what a girl child can do. How amazing if you train your child, it doesn't matter whether a girl or a boy, what value they can actually become and how they can actually help you transform your life. So um, that was really transformational. But I actually suffered depression when my dad died, like I said, because um, I was on vacation. I had just started work, so it was my first vacation, I believe, of uh, being on vacation. I had gone, my parents live in a different city from where I work and where I live, so I had gone to spend the last few days of my holiday with them. And I remember being woken up by my mom that morning saying, you know what, that is nothing great. You ask him to stay back while you take your brother to school since, I mean, you're, you're not going to um, back to your city today. You're going to go back tomorrow. And I said to my dad, can I do that? And he said, no, because he takes every one of us to school on our first day. That was the kind of love he had for us. So every child who went to college before my dad passed on, seven of us had that privilege, just my youngest son who did not experience that. He took us on the first day to school. He did not just take us to school. He would look for someone in the educational faculty, a professor or someone who he will hand us over to, a guardian. And so he said he had to do that for my brother. So he wouldn't let me take my brother to school. And he did that. And he came back um, that evening and he had gotten worse. We took him to the hospital. And um, Tina, just within 24 hours, with nothing really being diagnosed, my dad passed on. It was a big blow for me. I was in denial. I was in denial for about three months. My dad passed on in March. We actually, he passed on March 27th. We buried him May 1st. And um, from May 1st, when he was buried till about August, I was in and out of hospitals, um, going through depression, just being in denial, not being able to accept that my dad was gone. And I was also trying to be strong for my mom at the time who... Uh, they become so close and she didn't know how she was going to continue her life without him. Wow. And, um, and so my mom didn't know how hard my, or how tough my life was at the time, what I was going through, because she was going through her own pains as well. We all tried to be there for her. But interestingly, I signed my discharge um, papers and my sister took me to the church like I requested and 
there was just this peace, an overwhelming peace when the priest prayed over me because I requested to be prayed with. And when he prayed over me, there was just this peace in me. And truly, I just, you know, moved on from there, becoming better, getting better. I never went back to the hospital anymore, even though I still dealt with that pain, you know. And um, for a long time, I find myself comparing um, any male person who came my way, trying to compare them with that standard of my dad and all of that. Um, but fast forward to when I joined the John Maxwell team and I started learning about mind transformation, uh, about taking control of your thoughts, um, owning your truths, believing in yourself, learning to share your story. And um, I think that was when true transformation actually um, took place in me, it was after I actually joined the John Maxwell team. And I started listening to, I listened a lot to Paul Martinelli and his teachings because that has truly helped me in my growth. And uh, so when I work with clients today, I work with them about mind transformation, about changing their thoughts, changing their belief systems, having to own their truth, understanding that you have the power within you. You just have to take that power instead of just letting life happen to you, you have to own your power, you have to own your truth and just take control of what you allow into your life and how you want to live your life. So that was a dark period in my life, uh, but I have grown through that. And uh, that's the story behind uh, what I went through when I lost my dad in 2001. Wow. Okay. So this, this is really incredible because I, I do want to unpack a little bit about how you were able to really get through the depression. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I'm going to call this be educated. And the reason why I'm calling this, it, it's incredible because we get to keep hearing the stories uh, from John Maxwell about the lessons that he learned from his dad. And it's, mm -hmm. it's so amazing. And I just, I have been devouring every word that he's been saying, you know, because the story of his dad and how, what his dad went through, I think, I think it's so important. I believe that we're aligned with the family members that we have because they're supposed to help refine us and transform us. And so it's such a really cool honor to be able to watch you, Tina. I'll be able to give tribute to your dad is your hero and i think that's so amazing i think anyone that's listening to this whether they have or had a good relationship with their dad or not you know my husband went through a horrible time with his dad he but the incredible thing is that he only remembers the good things that he had with his dad and he was able to really take a lot of those lessons and i believe that my husband would not be the husband or the father that he is today if he didn't learn even from the mistakes that his dad made, right? And so we may be sitting here thinking, well, I don't know my dad and my dad was a horrible person or whatever. Um, I still think there's lessons to be learned and from our family members. And the mere fact that your dad was, and this is crazy that I'm even interviewing you, you right now, Tina, because hearing your dad that 
he was able to work on being really tenacious and get the scholarships that he needed to get educated. Like he wasn't going to stop at anything. And I think that is so admirable and really exciting because for me, you know, meeting with a bunch of the Paul Mitchell school owners and making a decision together that we are going to develop a scholarship program within our schools for at risk uh, kids, right? And especially kids that had parents that are from single parents because their parents are incarcerated. And so our first phase is to help and draw out with uh, the, the kids of the parents that were incarcerated, right? And so we know that the, in order for them not to uh, go into the same avenue as their dads or their moms, let's say, um, that they're gonna have to be educated, right? And so education is the key. It unlocks everything. And so to be able to help that. And, and so I wanna talk about this because I just learned this really cool little lesson. It's called the crab mentality. Like don't have the crab mentality. Meaning that if you take a bucket of crabs, Tina, and you put them in water, the interesting thing is, is if they all band together, all those crabs could get out and be free right? They could get out and they could live the life of their dreams, right? But instead, <laughs> what they have, and that's why they're called crabs, I guess, they have a crab mentality. And human beings have this crab mentality. And it's kind of based on the ceiling of who they're around, right? And so education unlocks that, right? And so if you take a crab, the interesting thing is, if a crab tries to get out, all the rest of the crabs will grab that crab and break its legs. If it keeps trying to get out, it'll actually kill the crab. And so, you know, us as human beings in certain environments, right, we have this, this ceiling, or we like to call it the law of the mm -hmm. lid, <laughs> right? And, uh, to, you know, yeah. and so yeah. we have people around us that may not be breaking our legs, but they're breaking our spirit, and we're allowing them to break our spirit. We may have people around us that aren't really killing us, but they're killing our dreams, or more so we're allowing them to kill our dreams. And I love the fact that you are take, you know, learning to be this mindset coach, and Paul Martinelli is the magician of all of this, right? Yeah. As we know. And, yeah. uh, and so talk a little bit more about that and, and how to break through the crab mentality and how to know if you're in the crab mentality, Tina, um, and owning your truths. I love that you said you have to own your truths. Help us to understand that a little bit more and the fact that we have that power within us to do that. All right. So um, I love the story about the crab mentality you just talked about. Another story just reminded me of is um, the story of the elephant. You know, it, uh, it said that when um, the, the elephant is a baby, it's a baby um, because it's usually tied in a rope. They, they're, they're tied, you know, led by a rope. So um, even when they have grown beyond that, they still believe that they are being held by that rope. So they, they, they are not able to see themselves as being freed. They're still scared because they're still, that's the only mindset that they have. And so when we come to human beings, we find that a lot of us, uh, the, the mindset that has been ingrained in us from when we were children, from when we were um, uh, uh, um, in our homes, in our families, the environment we grew up with. Um, it's said that um, 
a child's thinking process does not, the reasoning does not begin until the age of about six or seven. So every programming that has been ingrained in that child from when they were born to about that age of six, seven, many of us grow with that mentality. So we believe when we are told that we cannot achieve this, we believe when we are told that because nobody has ever achieved this in your family, we find a lot of this happening around the African culture. I don't know about um, in, in the US, but you know, a lot of us as taught, we put a ceiling on ourselves because we hear people say, nobody has ever achieved this feat from your village. Nobody from your family has ever been able to aspire to this level. Who told you you can actually become this? You can never become this because, you can never become this because, you can never become this because. And so we grow with that mindset. We grow with that mentality, thinking we can never achieve that. So that even when we are in our adult age, there's nobody stopping us. There's nobody putting any rope on us. There's nobody holding us on a leash. But that mindset is still in us from when we were young, from when we were programmed to think that we cannot aspire to become. We cannot aspire to become one else. And um, in working with, I work with, um, I run a group mindset leader hub community where I work with people. And um, I have a new product line coming on that is tagged Evolve Be You. Now, what is this about? It's about you. The first thing you must do is to own your truth. Accept yourself for you, who you are. We all have a good aspect. We have a bad aspect. We have the ugly side of us. But you can only truly begin to transform yourself once you accept who yourself for who you are. Accept yourself for your with your limitations, your your weaknesses, um, your failures. But also understanding that you can harness the power in you once you begin to change that mind uh, process, that thought that makes you think you are not capable. Now, how do you do that? Using the uh, positive affirmations, using words of, of, of positive affirmations, telling yourself that, you know what? I am a truly godly person. I love the fact that God created me in its image and in its likeness. I am beautiful. I am wonderful. I have that creative power to be able to change my life. I can do this because God has called me to do this. I can do this because I have the power to do this. If I have the power to grow through life, to become educated, I also have the power to transform my life, to aspire to become who I actually want to be. That future I want to create for myself, that future I want to see. But that can only happen when you begin to accept yourself that when negative thoughts come, you replace them with positive affirmation. You replace them with positive thoughts. That power that, or that mindset that tells you, you cannot, you say, you know what? I'm challenging it. I can because I have the power of God in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me to help me to actually become who I want to be. And you know how it said that, you know, once you align your thoughts with 
that idea, that positive idea of what you want to be, the universe just has a way of bringing everything you need Mm. to your space. So it's not about thinking about the how, but what do I want to do? What do I want to see myself become in future? I may not know the how when I start, but once I start that process of first of all, believing in my ability to do it, then the how will come and every resource that I need to be able to achieve that will be brought to me. I don't need to know the how. I just need to know that that someone of a higher authority who is leading me, who is guiding me, and will help me get through it. Tina, hmm, oh my gosh. We, wow, we got an incredible class going on. I just want to like jump around and sing hallelujah right now. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, Tina, oh my gosh, you are a powerhouse. This is amazing. I put down here, uh, first and foremost, you've got to let go of the rope that's tied around you. And, and I love that you said that because it's, it's almost like, it's like crab, you know, trying to get out, yes. you know, and mm-hmm. just like, there's no mm-hmm. other crab to believe in that crab. Obviously all you need is one person to believe in you. And, and I think about my companies that I own Tina and, and honestly, I, when I speak to owners and I speak to entrepreneurs, I tell them, listen, you just need one person on your team to believe in you and they'll help to get the rest of the team to believe in you. And, you know, the second and the third and the fourth and and they're going to continue to believe in you. And and I um, definitely understand what what John Maxwell talks about, and that is one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Like together, again, together, everyone achieves more, right? And you just need that one person. And I love the fact that you had your dad like the, and but a lot of people don't have their parents to believe in them right so they have to break through that capacity and you know the crab mentality also states that there's studies that show that most kids don't want to uh in their mindset outdo their parents and either the parents hold them back or they hold themselves back whatever that is studies show that that very small percentage of people outdo their parents financially, professionally, uh, physically, spiritually, all the above, which is interesting. And we're starting to break that cycle in my own family and watching that. And with my kids, I know they're going to do better financially than us, spiritually, uh, every which way. And then the grandchildren. Let's talk about that a little bit, about breaking that cycle, because I love the story uh, that you're talking about your dad, because I feel like you're also continuing to break that cycle and watching, you know, how much you've been educating yourself and the belief that you've had in yourself. How did you break through that, Tina, to say, no, I deserve this. I deserve this education and I'm going to get educated at the highest level. I really don't know if there is really like an untold story because, um, you know, growing up in a home where I had a father who valued education so much, um, it was taken like a given that you had to be educated, you know. Um, I, I, I often heard my dad say to us that if you're looking for um, some kind of... Um, wealth he's going to leave you or pass on to you, 
you know what? You better get down to earth because the only thing he has to give you is education. And so one of his famous words was that education is the only legacy that a parent can leave a child. You know, giving your child that ability to be front. He loved education so much that even when our friends came around and um, they were not so interested in, you know, in schoolwork and all of that, he would sit them down and make them understand, you know what, why you needed to do this for yourself, why you needed to have that basic education at least. You need it for you to be able to do anything you wanted to do in life. That was his own thinking. That was his own mentality. That is what he came to believe because that is what he saw work for him. Um, and so that's how I think I just, you know, believed that I needed to be more, that the way I needed to be more to show up for myself was to get myself educated. And so even after I finished my first degree, I remember after I finished my first degree and I wanted to go back to school immediately, uh, my dad said to me, you know what, girl, you need to go out there and do some work. You need to get that knowledge. You need to get your hands on work. Do some work. And if you want to go back to school, that's not a problem. But you know what? What I owe you is your first degree. And I've done that. So if you're going to do any education after this, you need to fund it yourself. So it just shows how much uh, we take a lot of these values for granted. We just think that, yes, people should know after a while. That's where the transformation begins. When you begin to leave the values, it's not just about hearing the values, but are you actually leaving the values? Which one of them? I mean, if you want to say, what are your top three values? Which ones are you actually leaving every day in your life? Or would you want to see yourself actually living in your life? So uh, education is something I'm passionate about, and I'm happy to collaborate with people who are pouring into youth. I do that here in Nigeria, which is also part of the work I do with the Aspire Foundation in the U UK, helping women um, find themselves. It's a men's world, and we have a lot of women who they have dreams in them, but you find that once they get into uh, maybe marriage, childbearing, they forget their dreams. They let go of their dreams. So what Aspire Foundation does is helping women connect with their dreams, finding their passion, helping them understand that, yes, you can be a wife, you can be a mother, but you also have to find you. You have to be you. So you have to do something for yourself. And I just love being a part of that community and what we're doing there. <laughs> yes, I, I want to talk a little bit about that too, what you're doing. Let's stay on for a second, what you're talking about valuing education. And the bottom line is value values. <laughs> and so that's exactly what, when we go and do these transformational courses, and this is where I got transformed because I didn't really understand, obviously, what leadership truly was until I realized that if I fail to go within, I'm going to go without. And so it's really digging deep into the core values that really are going to make us successful. And so it's, it's huge. And, and I think it's one of those areas that 
people don't pay any attention to in the entire world, right? Because it's not taught. It's not taught in grade school. It's not taught in high school. It's not taught in college. So talk a little bit more about your leadership program and why learning values is so important and maybe a story or two that, that you've watched some transformation happen in the youth. When we did it just on forgiveness, Tina, you needed to have same people weeping in that class. Mm -hmm. When we did the class, the value on forgiveness, that was um, a great eye opener. People not knowing that they have things to forgive themselves. You know, it's easy when we say, I need to forgive someone. We're thinking about forgiving other people. But learning that you have to forgive yourself for some things, maybe you've been so hard on yourself or you've not taken yourself seriously about what you want to do in your life or that just some things, that's just an aspect of you that you've not looked into where you need to forgive yourself. It was very humbling. So doing this values class, I am learning a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so wonderful for me. <laughs> I feel the same way. You know, every time once a month I get on these Zoom calls with these young women from Nepal. And ironically, we just finished attitude as well. And I wanna I wanna actually go through attitude a little bit more because I spend actually an entire month with entrepreneurs because I coach salon owners and and we have an entire month just on fixing your attitude. And I believe wherever your attitude is at is actually where you're gonna take your company. So if your attitude's at a five, your company will only be at a five, right? And so you've got to keep making those shifts in your attitude. And again, I just say shifts because you can't go from a five to a 10, right? And so I love the fact that it starts with awareness, first and foremost. Talk a little bit more on your side, Tina, of how you would coach somebody to help fix their attitude. All right. So um, if I have someone who's... Um dealing with um, recognizing that they have a bad attitude or maybe the attitude toward work or owning where their responsibilities, where they need to go at one point in their life. The first thing the person needs to do is to actually be in that space of awareness that there yeah. needs to be a shift. You just must recognize it. So if you don't recognize that there's a problem, then we can't even get to a solution path. So the first thing is actually recognizing that there's something wrong with the attitude that I have towards this particular aspect of my life or my business. And I am ready and willing to actually take the steps to change it, to make the shift. Now, I love what you said about we can't jump from um, an attitude of five to 10. It's not possible because it takes a lot. It takes a lot. This is something the person has actually, um, if you've lived with that attitude all of your life, the person has lived with this particular attitude or that brand for the last 40 years or 50 years of their life. It is something you will change overnight. It's not something you're going to change in one day. But coming to that awareness and that recognition that there's something wrong and that I need to make a conscious effort. So it has to be something that is intentional on the person's path. There will be days when you don't feel like it. There will be days when you just feel like the whole world is crumbling and everything is falling apart. That's okay. Take time out. 
do something out of space but come back to it, have that reflective time. You know, I believe in the power of reflection a lot. Have that time of reflection where you need to ask yourself some questions. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What do I need to change? Where do I need to go now? How do I need to take these next steps? So when we are constantly asking ourselves these questions, we're constantly reflecting on how did I fare last week? How did I do with my conversation with my wife or with my spouse? How did I do with my conversation with this child? How could it have been better? What could I have done differently? How could I have handled it differently? You know, those questions help us to actually align our thoughts with where we actually want to go and it helps us to increase our awareness of what we are not doing right and how we can actually become better. So for me, that's the way I would want to approach it, using the power of reflective questions to actually help the person come into that space where they can actually be aware of what needs to change and where that shift needs to begin. Wow. Okay, this is really good. In fact, I keep thinking right now because in America we have an election here. And so people are actually, I love that you said there's power in reflection. And I see what people are doing. And I've even caught myself a few times. And that is reflecting their thoughts on social media. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the wrong place to reflect your thoughts because of the fact that your attitude is going to come out and people are going to see that, right? So you have to, uh, before you post, journal before you post. And so I love that you said that because I'm a huge journaler. And, you know, yes, let all your bad thoughts, your bad attitude thoughts come out on a, a sheet of paper and then ask God to switch your attitude towards the positive. And, and, Let's talk about that for a moment because, you know, that's your brand. And so if I, and I tell, I've been telling my future professionals, I've been telling my teams, I, I keep saying, listen, I could tell you exactly how far you're going to go in life just based on your last 10 social media posts that you have, because this is why I started the B series, Tina, to, because to have, do, or be more, you have to become more. And so to become more, you've got to raise that attitude awareness level because attitude is everything, right? And I think most people don't realize how important attitude is. They think they can have a five attitude and a 10 life, and it just is not gonna happen. And so talk about those, those tiny shifts. If you were coaching me or someone that is really struggling with an attitude. I always like to say, don't be a, a Larry Lowrider or a Wendy Weiner. Right? <laughs> and, and so how can you coach those Wendy and those Larrys uh, through that process? What would you say to them? With an attitude problem, the first place I want to go back to is to their childhood. Yes. What are those things that you were told you couldn't believe, you couldn't achieve? Or you, you, you need to know if the person had gone through maybe some form of bullying 
or had gone through some form of abuse. You know, that, that, that's, there are lots of different kinds of abuses. So it's not just maybe the physical abuse, verbal abuse, or sexual abuse that we hear about a lot. A lot of people deal with psychological and emotional abuse that they're not even able to talk about. And that's where self-worth, self-esteem comes about. And for me, that's the most terrible because mm -hmm. Unless you believe in yourself, you cannot succeed. If a thousand people believe in you and you don't believe in you, you're not going to go very far. But if you believe in yourself and there's no one who believes in you, you know, you said it that if one person believes in you, over time, other will, others will come to believe in you. So if you believe in yourself and you keep working on you, keep trying to become better, over time, There'll be someone who says, you know what? There must be something she's doing that's right. I need to listen. And that's how you get other people to believe in you. Working with someone dealing with that attitude, that self-belief um, um, problem, the first thing will be to go back to their childhood, go back to the years where they probably have had some issues. They are, they are hiding. They've not come to recognize it or to even accept it that it was a traumatic time in life or it is a problem that they need to deal with. Because once they can begin to deal with it, begin to talk about it, begin to go through it, then they will understand how that particular thing has been having power holding them down from actually actualizing whatever dream they want to become. You know, I struggled with, um, okay, when I was young, um, I think when I was about two years old or so, I used to have bouts of convulsion. And in one of such um, um, episodes, my mom was traveling with me and my younger sister at the time. And I had that convulsive seizure and she just had to pack off the road to deal with me. And she had passers by who came to help. And one of them said, you know what? You need to put a spoon or something between the teeth of this child because if her teeth clenches, then it could become worse and lead to something else. It could lead to death. And um, that was done for me. Maybe in the process of trying to do that, I, I live today when I talk, but for a very long time in my life, through my primary school, my secondary school, my university days, and even when I started work, uh, working, the fact that I lived kept me in a shell. Mm. So it, it kept me introverted in the sense that I would not want to express myself outside because I felt people would laugh at me. But then when I started work and I got into managerial roles where I had to do presentations, I had to speak in front of people, it was something I just had to deal with. And I remember my parents saying to me, you know what, it's not, a, it's not your fault that you live. It's not your making. We're grateful to God that you are alive. We're grateful to God that we have you. You don't have any physical deformities. You don't have anything that's impeding you from achieving your goals. So whether you live or not should not stop you from expressing yourself. They said that to me over and over again. But you know what, Tina? It was difficult for me to actually accept it. 
Even though my parents said it to me, I didn't believe it to be true. But when I started, when I got into my liberal rule, I remember how my parents would bring it out to me and tell me, you know what? It shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't stop you. And I took that borrowed belief of my parents in me. And I remember I would stand in front of mirrors and say, you know what? I'm sure there's a way I can actually talk without it showing that I'm listening. And I started to practice. And I found myself in front of mirrors every now and again. I would try to just talk, keep, try to keep my, my tongue in my mouth that it's not coming out when I pronounce words like S, uh, Z, all of that. And with constant practice, I'm happy today. I'm better. I, I, I really have to um, tell someone that I live before they probably would notice it that it used to be that bad. It really used to be bad, but because I worked it, because I decided to believe in me, but it started with a borrowed belief from my parents. I got there. So for anyone who's dealing with such issues, you need to go back and say, who was the first Why do you believe you can achieve this? What's stopping you? And then you begin to take steps to see how you can actually remedy it. Sometimes we may need a coach, we need an internal thing to actually help us walk us through that path. And at other times, it will be something we can actually start on our own and then get good first. Wow, this is amazing. And, you know, I think one of the stories that a lot of people don't know about me is when I was uh, growing up as a young girl, that I kept my mouth shut all the time because I had. Uh, teeth that stuck out a mile out, right? And so I was so embarrassed of my teeth because kids made fun of me all of the time. You know, they would point at me and laugh. And, and so I would shut my mouth and I have a picture of me, the only picture, the youngest picture of me, I think I was probably about seven and my mouth is shut. I'm not smiling. And people would never believe that today because years later I developed a smile. And, and so everybody says, you're always smiling, you know? And so, but I had to borrow my dad's belief because he would always tell me how beautiful my teeth were. And he didn't want me to wear braces because he loved my teeth. And, and I'm like, Oh no, I'm wearing braces. You know, I had four years <laughs> and, and, you know, and so it's interesting uh, through that process. You're right. You have to go back to when was that time? It's kind of that crab mentality that somebody maybe was trying to break your spirit that you allowed somebody to break your spirit and going back to hey I need to borrow that belief from my dad or whoever it might be for you and it could be a teacher and I know uh, I've had so many incredible mm -hmm. teachers you know in my day that believed in me and spoke you know life into me as well. And, and I want to be that person for people, Tina. I want to be that person to speak life. And, and I love the fact that you are developing a platform, building a platform for introverted leaders with self-esteem challenges. I want to talk about that for a moment and, and what your goals are with that and how people can get a hold of you. And I'll tell you, uh, that's something that I've struggled with my whole life, both of those things. And so you and I share that in, you know, in common, Tina. So obviously Tina and Tina here. And so I think it's awesome. And I would yeah. love to do some things with you on that because you're right. I think that's, you know, a challenge worldwide and that a lot of women go through, you know, maybe that um, just 
you know, in the different uh, types of seasons that we've grown up in or the culture that we've grown up in as women as well, too. And let's talk a little bit about that and what your goals are and how people can get a hold of you. All right. So the Evolve BU platform is a platform, obviously, for women because um, <laughs> I still feel the women are the weaker says We are still very much disadvantaged. So it's specifically for now, it is for women who, um, whether you are in a marriage or whether you are in a, uh, a relationship or whether you're single, but you're having difficulties aligning yourself with believing in you, believing in your abilities to actually become who you want to be. Um, it's burnout of um, a few friends I have had to work with personally who have struggled with actually believing in themselves. So um, that platform, um, I, I'm releasing it. Um, September is the month of my birth. So we're going to kick off September. Um, that's when I'm starting that, uh, starting it off with my birth. My birthday is on the 22nd of September. So we're starting off uh, the program in uh, that month of September. And um, we're taking on a few women already who have in indicated interest to sign up for the program, uh, Evolve BU. Now, what the goals are is we will help you through a monthly coaching and mentoring session uh, once a month to align with where you are now. What is your current state? And then what are your beliefs about you? Where do you want to be? What are the dreams you hold for yourself? Or what are those forgotten dreams? What is it that you had thought you would become? So that's, uh, that's the goal for that uh, program that will help you actually become who you want to be. So you need to evolve and be you. And the only way you can do that is by actually coming to terms with who am I now? Is this who I want to be? Am I living my life by design? Am I living it by default, like Paul Martinelli would say? I'm where I want to be. Who do I want to see myself be five years from now, 10 years from now? For my personal goals, not about the goals for my family, not about the goals for someone else, but who does Tina want to be? That's what the program is about. So who do you want to be? It's about you. You've lived your life for others. How about living your life for you right now? Tina, I love this. You're speaking music to my ears. I love it. And I know <laughs> one of the things that John Maxwell always says, there's the two greatest days in a per person's life, the day they're born and then the day they find out why. And I love this because I think right now through our whole country, our whole world, we have an identity crisis. And God wants to show us that we're made in his image. And I love that you said that because we could actually spend a whole other hour just on what does it mean to be made in God's image? And I think just looking through the Bible and just studying what God says about that, I think it'll unpack so much power in your life, right? And so I love what you are doing. What's the best way to get a hold of you to sign up for some of these programs, Tina? Okay, so um, they could reach out to me for now by email. My email is um, T-E-E-N-A. Tina at joanlugatsconsulting.com. So if they're interested in becoming part of the program, 
but um, because we're still drawing up the outline, so the website will be up and running by next month. But for now, those who are interested can reach out to me via email, T-E-E-N-A at johnlugatsconsulting.com. And that's J-O-A-N-L-U-G-A-R-D-S consulting c-o-n-s-u-l-t-i-n-g.com so i All love right. that. that's right tina what last words can you leave with our audience today and being educated <laughs> i would like to use the quote of my father to everyone who's listening to this whether you're a parent whether you're a young person that education is the only legacy a parent can leave their child. So in whatever you do, encourage the people. Education does not have to be only within the four walls of a school, but how are you educating yourself even in life skills, in personal development? Because we keep learning until the day we drop dead. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.